It doesn't mean that you can't have an HR person in your strategic business unit, in your building. Yes, you could have that, but that's different from saying that it's totally decentralized. No, that's okay that there's, it, it doesn't um, mean that the business is not decentralized, because if you have these SBUs, you're a decentralized organization. But, again, that doesn't mean you can't centralize some functions. Of course, you're gonna, you have, they need to, we have a corporate management team. What do they do? They are responsible for overseeing and managing these five or six SBUs. So when I say standalone, I don't mean like they're just like rogue companies, that they're just, they're not, they're part of a corporation, they're part of an, a bigger organization. That's absolutely true, but it's very decentralized if they're, we have these different SBUs. Again, it doesn't mean that we can't centralize some functions. Of course, that's going to maximize our efficiency and our effectiveness. Those things are going to be on the exam also. So you'll read more about that, the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Now, so we talked about, we said there's three different plans, a corporate plan, a business plan, and a functional plan. So the business plan, each strategic business unit is going to have their own business plan. What is their business plan going to focus on? It's going to focus on how do we make the corporate mission corporate vision and corporate goals a reality. How are we going to make that happen? In our strategic business unit, right Alexis? In our strategic business unit, how are we going to make that happen? Aaron, right? You with me? So in our strategic business unit, what are we going to do? What are the strategies and tactics that we're going to deploy in the orange juice strategic business unit in the milk strategic business unit, in the soda strategic business unit, what are the tactics and strategies that we're going to deploy so that the corporate mission, vision, and goals are going to become a reality? That's what we're going to talk about in the business plan. Now, that being said, so there's multiple plans, and they all operate simultaneously. So it's not like, oh, we have a corporate plan, we don't have a business plan. Yes, we have a corporate plan, we need to have a corporate plan, and then there's also going to be a business plan for each one of those SBUs. And then in those SBUs, we're also going to have a functional plan. We're going to have a marketing plan. So what is our marketing plan for orange juice going to focus on? Who could tell me? So one of our goals would be to, in terms of when we think about advertising, is to talk about the benefits, the features and benefits of orange juice. And what else, in general, the marketing plan? Because, you know, we need to have shared objectives. Go ahead. How it's different from the rest. How it's different. That's right. We need to differentiate ourselves. So we need to differentiate ourselves from our direct competitors and our indirect competitors. Does that make sense? So who is our indirect competitor? Who is, well, this is subject to some opinion. It depends on how you define your business, how we as a management team define our business. 
But let's hear from you guys what you think. How orange juice executives perceive soda? How do orange juice um, executives perceive soda? Do you think they perceive it or they should perceive it as a direct competitor or an indirect competitor? Go ahead. Kathy. Indirect. So Kathy says that soda is an indirect competitor of orange juice. So if that's the case, Kathy, then who is the direct competitor? Who would you view as a direct competitor then? Hawaiian Kool-Aid? Punch. No, Hawaiian Kool-Aid? Punch, yeah. Kool-Aid. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. things that are in juice category. So. What about milk? So a direct competitor. Okay. A direct competitor is somebody who doesn't make Isn't it called Okay. Joel, go ahead. I thought that milk would be. Um, it's kind of uh, milk and OJ because they're, they would be direct competitive because they both they're trying to all sell their nutrients. They want you to drink them in the morning, but at the same time you're not putting OJ in your cereal. It's kind of indirect at the same time. Well, yeah, usually you don't put the OJ in the cereal, but you know, when you get home and it's late and you have too much tequila, anything is, uh, anything is possible. But. Who could rephrase the question? What was the question? Who knows what the question was? You know? Go ahead, keep going. Who's the direct competitor of? No, who, so what was the question? Who, was, who remembers what question I asked? I think the question was, how would someone, well, how would it be that um, Coca-Cola and orange juice could be considered direct or indirect? And how could they be in what levels? Like, how would you compare them as indirect compared them as direct? I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Something similar, yeah. Something similar. But I'm, we're we're talking about, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're all talking, trying to answer the same question because I'm hearing different things. So, Alexis, tell us, set us straight. No? Okay. Okay? So, Kathy, tell us again. Say it. The question? The question, right. So, is soda a direct or indirect competitor to orange juice? Right. So, is soda a direct or indirect competitor to orange juice? So, we're the orange juice executive team. We need to think about how we define our business. The question is... Do we view soda as a direct or indirect competitor to orange juice? What do you think? How many people say indirect? Raise your hand. Interesting. But that's like everybody. Even the people whose arm was hurting before it. (laughs) Went went all out this time. And how many people think that it's a direct competitor? Some people. So tell us why you think that soda is an indirect competitor. 
And if it is an indirect competitor, who the direct competitor is? Go ahead. Tell us your name. Hayala. Hayala. Oh, yeah. Hayala again. Okay. You got the marketing book? Yeah. Good job. It was $10, right? $20. What? That much? <laughs> Search again. Search again. Keep searching. Yes. Everybody catch that? Yes, yeah. what Ayala said is very compelling. Well, we're here until midnight, right? I just want to check in with everybody. <laughs> what time is it now? Okay, we got a few more hours. Go ahead, Aaron. All right, so I hear what you're saying, how like different orange juice companies can be direct competitors, but I think it's also dependent on how the business, like the direction of the business wants to go with. Just like water and Gatorade can now be considered direct competitors because they add electrolytes now. So I think it's dependent on how they <laughs> Yes, I've been discussing that with some of my friends about the electrolytes. So it's like, if you could, because the way that Gatorade had uh, marketed themselves is that the reason why it helps with recovery, right, after exercise, the reason why it helps with recovery is because it has electrolytes. Well, now, um, Smart Water, for example, is saying, the brand Smart Water, they're saying that, well, our water has electrolytes, but... If now you could get electrolytes without the sugar that's in Gatorade, so why would you buy Gatorade again? Right? But their, their brand promise, the Smart Water brand promise, doesn't say really that it helps with recovery. It says that it improves the taste. Look at their labeling. It said it improves the taste. Now, but the thing is, though, this is also an ethical dilemma. Because when you tell people that it has electrolytes, people are going to assume that that means that it's going to help with recovery. So after you go on the elliptical machine for an hour, right, when you go to a gym and you guys go to retro fitness, no? Okay. You do? You go to retro fitness? So you need to, you need, your body needs to recharge. Because you're using up a lot of energy, you're stretching your muscles, you need to have what's called recovery. That means after you exercise, you need to eat protein, um, you might drink muscle milk, you know. If you, you're, when you have that type of um, intense workout, your body, you need to replenish. So electrolytes is one of the things that says that it rehydrates you. But, you know, that's what Gatorade claims, that it's hydrating, that it helps with recovery after exercise. But some people say, well, that's, isn't that what water does? Water is, by definition, hydrating. No? Um, so that's, your point is it's very interesting what Aaron is saying in terms of, well, is water and Gatorade, are they now direct competitors? Because now the benefits of, war, of Gatorade are now being attached to water. And that brings us back to the benefits of milk being assumed by orange juice. Because you guys have seen that, right? So we said before that vitamin A, vitamin D, and 
calcium are strongly associated with milk. But now, when you go into Pathmark or Quiggly Wiggly or Stop and Shop, then you'll see that on the orange juice container, it says with, with calcium. And it's enriched with vitamin A and D. So you're thinking, well, I thought that was the reason I drank milk. And they're saying, now you don't need to drink milk anymore. And I know some of you like to drink milk, but you could get those same benefits from drinking orange juice. So now the question is, are milk and orange juice, could we perceive them as being direct competitors versus indirect competitors? So milk tastes very different than orange juice? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The taste is very, is very different. Yes, go ahead. But I think different, com different companies of orange juice also taste quite different. It's not about the taste as much as it's about the function that it's, you know, working for. For example, milk is mostly used, you know, as a breakfast thing. You know, you're putting it in cereal and all that. And, you know, the same way you can brand um, um, an orange juice as, you know, a breakfast thing. You know, you're, you're drinking it for breakfast with an apple, maybe. So it's, it's what you're aiming for that matters more than the taste itself. So, yeah, David. Rest in peace. And what about Junior Oak? Isn't Junior Oak considered uh, oh, yeah. like a, a beverage that's supposed to uh, benefit you in the long run? Like, don't be drinking Junior Oak when you're uh, sick or. So, so, isn't that a competitive as well? Or it, it could be. So, it's up to us as, um, as managers, as executives, to determine who is in the competitive set who our direct competitors are and who our indirect competitors are. Now, we might decide that they are a direct competitor or we might decide they're an indirect competitor. The reason why that's important is because that's going to affect our plant. Yeah, it's not just that they're beneficial. It's the same exact, you know, they're, they're marketing the same exact benefits, you know, but uh, vitamin C and stuff like that. So calcium, so that's what I think makes them direct competitors. And so that's a wake-up call for them. So... When we identify indirect competitors, it's not so that we forget about them, but it's so that we can keep an eye on them, because those indirect competitors can become your direct competitors. Yes, go ahead. Like, um, depending on season, for example, um, I mean, we can milk more for coffee mm -hmm. or hot chocolate, or, but in, for uh, summer, we use orange juice for, let's say, um, if you want to make a cocktail, or yeah, so uh, definitely the, the, use, the, the use of the product is very different. Absolutely, and it can vary by season. So there is some seasonality to those products. Absolutely. Tell us your name. Lizette. Lizette? Okay. Anybody else? That's something that the, um, the leadership team has to decide. They might very well agree with you that um, 
that the only other direct competitor is other orange juice brands. Could be. It's not, you're absolutely right what you said, but it's a strategic decision. It could be that they, they're not direct competitors. If the organization views it that way, then they have to develop their strategy accordingly. But you certainly can make a compelling argument in terms of why they might be direct competitors because they are now offering the same benefit, right? The same product benefit. So for example, you know, we could look at, for, let's say um, fast food, fast food restaurants. So if I told you, you might think it's very obvious if I said that McDonald's and Burger King and White Castle are direct competitors. Anybody disagree with that? No, that seems plausible. But what about if I said that McDonald's and KFC were direct competitors? Now you might say, whoa, wait a minute, but they sell chicken and they sell hamburgers. But it's still fast food. It's still fast food. And the strategic business units, which in this case we identified as different types of beverage, orange juice, milk, soda, energy drinks, in some companies, if you let's take just another example, let's take an electronics company. So in an electronics company, would it make sense to have a strategic business unit for, all right, this is another example. For phones, TVs, Computers, or should we say, let's see, let's be a little bit more specific. We could say um, tablets, and what else? Laptops? Anything else? Nothing else? Another type of electronic product that they might sell? How about, um, you know what, let's put this over here. What about, uh, yeah, absolutely. So imagine if this is Sony. So gaming consoles. So you guys, you know, you're doing Fast and Furious or Halo or what are some others? Right, MP3 players, good, good, good. So another thing, so we have phones, TVs, tablets, gaming consoles, like um, PS4, and uh, uh, tell us what you said again, the uh, yeah, MP3 players. Right, so does this, just another way, I'm just giving you another example, because maybe beverages, you can't, uh, maybe you can't, um, relate to that as well as maybe electronics. But we could also have a product structure in an electronics company and have these different business units. So again, like Joel was saying, is it a little bit more obvious maybe now that you say, oh, we have a strategic business unit that focuses on selling phones. And then we have a separate strategic business unit that focuses on selling TVs. That maybe that's, those products are a little bit, in your mind, a little bit more different than orange juice and milk. But 
phones, TVs, tablets, gaming consoles, MP3 players. So those are very different products. They're all part of an electronics company. They're all sold by this electronics company, like Sony, for example. But to be effective and to be efficient, they form these strategic business units. Because the people that they're targeting, their target market for gaming consoles, like PS4, so the Sony PlayStation, Wait, they're up to four already? I still have the one that doesn't have the number. <laughs> <laughs> PS4 is different than those that are buying flat panel, 1080p, high definition, LED monitors. Anybody want to repeat that? You have to practice before class. Go ahead, 1080p, high definition, LED. 65 inch LED. I'm oh, adding that. 100 and, no, 240 megahertz. Yeah, that's the refresh rate. For gamers know about refresh rates, right? What do you want, 240 or 120? I think 240 is gonna be better, right? You want that real time, you don't want any Yeah, you don't want any lag, right? So, does this make sense? Yeah. In terms of different strategic business units. These are different strategic business units. But that's just another example of different strategic business units. So they have a, a product structure. Their organizational structure is product focused instead of functional, instead of geographic. You could have a geographic organizational structure. But when you have an organizational structure, it needs to become a reality. It needs to become real. How does it come to life? Well, through these strategic business units. So if you have a product, an organizational structure that is going to be product focused, then you need to have these strategic business units. And vice versa. If you decide that you're going to have these strategic business units, then you need to have an organizational structure that's going to support that. Questions? How many people, raise your hand, how many people think that these four SBUs for our beverage company, that that makes sense. How many people think that's a good way to organize the company? Raise your hand if you think that's a good way. And the rest of you just don't feel like raising your hand or? Okay. So, this being said, we have to develop a business plan. Each of these strategic business units have to develop a business plan and each of these now because it's organized this way each of these are going to have their own functional department because based on their strategy based on this approach this means that they're going to have their own marketing department why? Because this marketing department, we're not going to have one marketing department. We don't have a functional organizational structure. We have a product structure. So we need a, a marketing department to focus just on orange juice. Right? With or without vodka. Orange juice. But you said products are complementary, right? So it's complementary. So milk goes with coffee. 
and cornflakes, right? <laughs> what about orange juice? Vodka. Vodka, right? But if you get um, if you get Belvedere or Grey Goose, you don't really need to mix it with the orange juice. That's kind of like doesn't make sense for in in my opinion. I am old, right? That doesn't really make any sense if you're gonna buy top shelf. Um, Vodka to mix it with the orange juice. That's only when you're dealing with those, you know, like $10 bottles of Smirnoff and stuff like that, right? Then you, of course, you have to mix it with the, the orange juice because otherwise it'll like burn your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so, but usually you're pretty good if you have a Belvedere or a Great Goose or um, what else is a top shelf? Uh, yeah, Chopin is good, um, and uh, I'm not too crazy really about Kettle One. Actually, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> you can drink some first I, I did consulting in that area too. That's how I know. <laughs> okay, so marketing, and then accounting department, and then manufacturing, and then HR and sales. So all of those are functional departments in those strategic business units. All of these strategic business units need to have their own marketing department. Because of what Joel said. Right, Joel? Yeah. Say it again. Um, that they're all different and they all require, they all um, are market for uh, different uh, demographic, different people, different ages, and what they're using it for. So they all need their own team to, you know, just kind of put that out there. Right, absolutely. Better so, hmm? so better concentration. Absolutely, so we're very focused. They're not homogeneous, like you said, in the Right, so they're not, the segments are not homogeneous. It doesn't mean that somebody who buys milk isn't gonna buy orange juice, but remember, the messaging is going to be different. Go ahead. Why can the accountant do oranges and milk? Well, as a strategic business unit, they're going to have to track the sales and performance of that strategic business unit independently. Now, at the corporate level, everything is going to be integrated. And that's what you've probably heard a lot about enterprise resource planning systems, ERP systems. ERP systems are designed to do that because each of these are standalone businesses. So this is the model that, um, that Johnson & Johnson uses. They have these strategic business units. Um, Newell Rubbermaid also has these independent um, strategic business units. But you're right that at the corporate level, they're going to integrate the financials. But you're still going to need, as an independent business, you're going to need your own accounting because you need to have that, that focus, that specialization for this particular business. Now, the company, uh, another thing we need to consider is whether the organization is centralized or decentralized. So, I'm sorry, tell us your name. John 
Gabi? Gabi. So what Gabi is saying, basically, he's alluding to this point about, well, how centralized or how decentralized is this organization or beverage company? That's something that the management team needs to decide. But based on what we discussed so far, it's certainly more decentralized than centralized. So basically, I would describe this as a decentralized organization. That doesn't mean that they don't want to um, centralize some aspects. Absolutely. So one of, um, one of the reasons why a big company acquires other companies like they, why they might now acquire a company, let's say a water company, or what? What other beverage? Uh, like, uh, what about those drinks that children drink? Like Capri Sun. Okay, so uh, juice, um, fruit juices. Yeah. Like. That as opposed to, so yeah, what would you, how would we describe that? I don't know. Would be like the ingredients, flavors, something like that. Like smoothie drinks, things like that, like natural juices or juice? Yeah, there's actually an interesting case. Um, so like Hawaiian, so what I would call it like punch, fruit punch. Non-carbonated? Yeah, all of these, yeah, that would be non-carbonated. But as opposed to orange juice, apple yeah, juice, like cranberry natural, juice. Natural juices? Yeah. So and versus um, so different types of punch. So they might acquire another company. But one of the reasons for doing that is because there's efficiency. One of the things that we um, touch upon in chapter one and chapter two is efficiency and effectiveness. So it's efficient to acquire these because they anticipate a cost savings. What's the cost savings going to be? Is what um, David is saying is that we don't need five HR departments. We need one HR department for all the SBUs. 